Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Deepak Chopra. I read Quantum Healing when I was 9 years old. I was way too young. I hated the book. So boring. But as I got older the book started making sense to me. Now I'm all like. Deepak is life. Last time. This is it. I'm recording the intro for the last time. Today's guest, Josh Adams. Josh has been on the podcast before. Uh, we talk about... I what, The main thing that I remember is we were talking about how everyone's drinking and doing everything. Let's drink and do yoga. Let's drink and learn to paint. Let's drink and play board games. Let's drink and play hockey. It's crazy. Uh, but it goes into more than that. Why am I talking about an old podcast? Let's talk about today's podcast. Today's podcast is about being anxious as an adult, adult anxiety. What am I doing with my life? Did I make the right decisions? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Uh, can I, have I gone too far down a certain path and I can't return and I'm destined to be miserable forever? Yeah, sure are. It's done. You're dead. Also talk about communicating in a relationship. That's super important. That's something Josh brings up at the end for his final thoughts. And we finally come around to that. You're going to love it. But that's what it's about. It's about learning from your mistakes and being mature and uh, not resenting people. Communicate. You won't resent people. Simple. I love this podcast. Let's do this with Josh Adam. Do you usually party on Friday? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's me to get out with people throughout the week sometimes because my schedule goes a little later. But right. uh, yeah, they always want to go out on Friday nights pretty much, especially with the weather as nice as it was last night. So that's the thing. Okay, when you go out, do you... <clears throat> how much do you drink? This is an interesting thing to me. I always like wonder... Do some, cause some people, they go out and they're like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to drink a lot. Like I'm, I'm partying, you know, or do you, right. are you more like, you know what? Sometimes I do, but sometimes I'll have like two beers and then drive my car home. Uh, well, it depends. Like lately, since you ask lately, uh, I've been going out a lot just because, you know, that I'm more recently single and all of that stuff. But, uh, Typically, if I go out, then I'm not going very far. So it's not too expensive for me to just get a lift. And I try to be responsible about that anyway. Especially working in an industry, you know, in the alcohol industry at a brewery. I really can't afford to get a DUI or something. It would look really bad on on the company, too. Ooh, yeah, that's... Okay. Okay, but do you... Okay, so you're responsible. But how hard, uh, how hard do you go, usually? Uh, well, the other side of the spectrum of working in the industry is that my tolerance is probably a lot higher than other people's. So, uh, I can have like five or six beers and you would never know to talk to me. So going hard for me is completely different than what other people may think of when they talk about like going out to get crazy or have a good time. Okay. You know what I mean? You don't get sloppy. I guess that's what I'm asking. You're not like out there acting a fool every Friday. No, absolutely not. Okay. I mean, if, if, if anything, if I'm going too hard on a Friday, it's not because I'm like crashing by the time the bars are closing at 2 a.m. It's because I, I'm still ready to go when I don't realize that everybody else around me is like, starting to lose their, their, lose themselves a little bit, like lose control. And I'm like, Hey, let's go back to my place. And then, you know, I want to stay up until four in the morning because I can. And then everybody else is just like in over their heads. Right. We're vomiting. Not everybody, but, you, but yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. All right. Yeah. No. Cause I, I always wonder that when people are like, yeah, let's go out. And sometimes I'll go, I'll go out with people and then they're like wanting to get like, demolished and i'm like oh i don't i'm not i'm 28 like or i'm about to be 29 like i'm not do i'm that like those days are over man that that does nothing for me like i i am not a dude 
if you want to get drunk with somebody, like you got to find a different guy because I will not be peer pressured into feeling like shit the next day. Yeah, good for you too, man, for realizing that about yourself that you already like moved past that and move into a different like part of your life in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it does definitely still happen among my friends. Um, and I don't like to let it happen to myself, but the reason that I can get away with what I do is most likely caused by the fact that I was doing that for so long that now my tolerance is high and I just kind of adjusted to it as unhealthy as that may be. <laughs> yeah, no, I get, I get, I get you. It's, uh, you have to do some serious consumption to get sloppy. Right. Well, I guess the equivalent for me would be like doing shots. Yes. Like I, I, I never want to do shots anymore because I'm like, no, that's just going to make, make it a bad day for me tomorrow. Unless it's, you know, a really special occasion, like probably once a month or less, I will drink liquor. But other than that, I'm just like, no, I'm good with beer. You guys do whatever you want. But that's where I'm drawing the line for myself. Dude, same. Same, same thing. I occasionally, yeah. I'll be like, okay, yeah, let's do... Like when I left, uh, I, I quit my job uh, about two months ago. And we all kind of like went out, uh, you know, celebrate. And it was, you know, I bought like shots for people. People bought shots for me. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know. It's not a good idea, but I want to do it. So I'm not being pressured in, but like for some reason I'm buying tequila shots for my coworkers and, but it's my decision and I know I'm going to be sick. I know it's a bad idea, but I think, I think it can be like cathartic to just make yourself sick sometimes that probably (laughs) my dad would probably hear that and be like, my son is an idiot, but, uh, I don't know. I think it does something for your ego. Yeah, you need to kind of alter your your uh, perception, alter your reality a little bit every now and then. I think it's it's healthy to sort of like wake up and be like, oh man, that was a bad idea. Like just just remind yourself every now and then. Obviously, you're not like doing you know blow off of a hooker's ass the night before or anything oh, like that, am. but. Well, there you go. And you say you're not fun to get drunk with. That goes without saying. I don't drink. I just do blow off of assholes. That's that's it, man. That's how I do. <laughs> oh, man. Just when you think you know a guy. Yeah, I do. No, sorry. I, don't, I didn't mean to derail you. But, yeah, that's... I think I think it, it, does, uh, it does put your ego in check a little bit and knocks you down a notch. But it also gives you great appreciation for not wanting to have that constant lifestyle like you maybe did when you were younger. Yes. It's a, there's a lot of things like that. It's a reminder. It's like, it's a, it's a reminder that sometimes you're like, oh man, I need to like, I wish I lived that lifestyle. I partied all the time. These people really seem to be enjoying themselves. And then you do that. And then you're like, oh no, 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 no. I was fine. I, now I remember this is not what I thought it was. Yep. You're like, oh, yep, I remember that now. And this is why uh, I was so grateful to wake up today and be like, huh, Saturday mornings are great when, you know, you're, yes. you're not waking up feeling like you're still recovering from the night before. Now yes. I understand how people, how I can see people like out jogging at like, you know, 10 a.m. It's because they didn't stay out and close the bars down last night. I get it now. Duh. That's it, dude. You see those joggers and you're like, oh man, I want to, next Saturday, I'm going to jog at like 7 a.m. That's going to be me. I'm not going to be this piece of garbage that's like rolling into some shitty diner and eating garbage food to get rid of my, (laughs) you know what I mean? You just feel like a sack of shit. Yeah. Well, normally for me, I I won't have regrets about it. When I see that jogger, I'm like, man, that person made some very different decisions for themselves on how their weekend was going to go. But, yep, this is uh, the choice that I made, and I'm going to stick to it. i got to accept responsibility for my actions. That's normally how I kind of feel about it. And yeah. then I'm like, all right, well, if, uh, if this is the choice I made, then you got to stick to it. But maybe next weekend I'll make better choices for myself. But this is not that day. 
Right, right. You're not going to live and be like, yeah, you just got to see him and be like, hey, that's going to be mean next weekend. And uh, it's all going to be okay. But for the time being, I'm going to actively try not to puke on my couch today. Right. And that's that's another thing uh, that's important to me now that you mention it. Um, I don't know. Everybody probably sets their standards of like, what is it to really get like overly drunk um, or like just go too crazy or whatever. But by my standards and, and you know, I'm, this is just me like physiologically, I don't really get sick from drinking. Um, especially as I've gotten older, just because I know to keep myself, I think it has a lot to do with that avoidance of liquor thing we just mentioned. Right. Uh, if I, if I'm getting sick the next day, then that is a big problem to me personally. I'm like, there's no reason for me to go that hard or do anything like that to, to make it so bad on myself. So that's another thing where I draw the line. I'm like, all right, I'm starting to feel like this could be bad in the morning and I can draw that line for myself when I'm out and make that distinction. So I think that's important too. Yeah, no, I'm going to say, I actually like have a pretty good throttle too because I get some people can drink all night but I start experiencing the sickness very early so if people are like let's do shots like let's go crazy let's do some shots I'm always like uh like no I'm I'm already sick and that doesn't sound appealing to me like you could not convince me that that's a good idea because I'm I feel like garbage yeah, I have friends that love to start doing shots after they've been drinking beer for like three hours. And I'm like, that yeah. is the worst idea I've heard. Why do you want to do this to yourself? Please don't do it. If you do, I, I can't. I can't follow you down that road. You know what I mean? I'm like, don't don't go somewhere that I can't follow. Don't do this to yourself. Right, because I will not. But, I will not support you out of solidarity. I am not that type of friend. Right, dude. But, that's actually. I, I think I'm probably. Doing. What? Everybody does it their own, you know? Dude, yes. Don't look at me to validate your decision to poison yourself. Yeah. So what were you going to say, sorry? Oh, I was going to say, I've gotten gotten good at, as an adult, if someone buys me something, if they buy me alcohol or buy me a shot or, like, buy me a beer I didn't ask for, I am... I am a hundred percent fine saying I am not like I'm not taking it. I'm not. I'm a grown up. Yeah, I'm sorry you bought that. I didn't ask for it, and I'm not drinking it, which for a long time I had a hard time doing. I understand what you mean exactly, but I've got friends that love to take shots um, every time they're at motor. Doesn't matter if it's a Saturday night or a Wednesday night or whatever. If there's a band, if there's no band, if it's like nine p.m., if it's one forty-five a.m., and I'm just like I. Those, those people trained me to be able to say no, if that makes sense. Because that was the only way that I could make better decisions for myself but still hang out with them. Right. Yes. No, I know. It's, it's like very situations where you're like, I'm no way. Absolutely not. I'm not even tempted. Yeah. Like, I am not doing that. Have fun being a substance abuser, but that's not me. <laughs> That sounds anything but appealing right now. You cannot talk me into that, even in my compromised state of mind. Right. I know better. I'm still there. I feel like that's how it, I'm always like, if I, whatever decision I make when I'm like, you know, high or drunk or something like that, that's still Joey. That's still him. Yeah. And a lot of times, Joey doesn't want to poison himself, so he doesn't. Yeah. And it's important to recognize that about yourself, too, to, to be like, yeah, even if I'm inebriated, if, even if I'm not in my normal like decision-making standard, society sure as hell still thinks that you're Joey. So you need to act like you're still Joey too. But in, in terms of like, you know, respecting yourself, respecting others, like obeying laws and everything else. Right, but I'm a, responsible. It's, it's definitely changed a little bit. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, I used to drink to, to not think about myself and to kind of get out of my head. I would definitely drink a little bit for that purpose when I was younger. And now I realize like, no, it's not really about like just completely getting out of your head. It's about just relaxing a little bit or about being social. That's, that's all you should really be doing with it. Anything past that, it's probably not very healthy. Yes. And you are responsible for what Josh does drunk. Drunk Josh 
those are your actions. But sometimes people are like, well, you know, I was drunk, so therefore I claim no responsibility to all the stupid and inconsiderate things I did. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, cheating, for instance. Like, nope, that was still a decision you made. And, uh, you know, that's how it goes. Or, like, getting sick in public or being an asshole to a bartender or whatever it may be. Yes. Like, uh, well, sorry, but you were still representing yourself, even if it was a misrepresentation, according to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm so sick of people not taking responsibility for things in their life that they either did or maybe patterns they're not happy about in their life or things they want to change mm-hmm. but don't. I'm so, I'm tired of listening to people make excuses for their own behavior and their own habits, man. Personal accountability. Yeah. Yeah. No one's going to. I've been yeah. trying to work on a lot myself. Well, yeah, man, let's let's get into, I want to talk to you, and you can take it wherever you want to go and wherever you're comfortable taking it, but you were talking about kind of like midlife crises and, crises and uh, how you kind of see that as like adult anxiety and people not dealing with their anxiety correctly, which I thought kind of resonated with me, and I wanted to ask you more about what you meant by that. Yeah, dude. Um, I think it's a really common thing that's come up in our generation specifically. I don't know if it's uh, because of our timing with the development of the internet and memes and stuff or whatever it may be, or if it's like student loan crisis or just weird expectations of our generation in the first place. But it seems like it's widely acknowledged and accepted that, you know, if you look at a bunch of memes that are on the internet nowadays, people are like talking about having like existential crises on a daily basis or like, you know, being in a constant loop of, uh, feeling like they can't change what they don't like about their life or about themselves and making a joke out of it, like making it socially acceptable to just talk about all this stuff out in the air, which is great. Like you need to talk about problems. Sure. But then it it just, it seems like it's, become a large part of like the humor that you find in memes and online these days. I mean, that's probably indicative of something that is a widespread thing. You think? Yeah. You know, I hadn't really, I know what memes you're talking about and I guess I hadn't really interpreted it. Okay. I see what you mean. Cause I'll like laugh at those memes cause they're funny. You know, something about like, this made me not want to kill myself or, you know, whatever reason, being depressed. They make a joke out of, like, yes. being depressed. Or, or, like, you know, right. Or, or you know, uh, I saw something online the other day. It was like, thank you, student loans, for getting me through college. I don't think I can ever repay you. Like, yeah, that's, that's making, you know, situational humor out of something that's a really widespread problem. Yeah. Yes, this is, ooh, yeah. So I do, I understand completely what you're saying. So people do see those, like that, let's just take that meme in particular. They see that and they're like, haha, my student loans are a joke. Right. Or, you know, at, at the very least, in order to have good comedy, you have to be able to relate to your audience. Yes. So that's a really widespread audience, you know? It's like, oh yeah, who doesn't have student loans these days? Who isn't worried about being able to pay them back? So that, I think that's what I was kind of making a point, trying to make a point about before, is that that sort of really dark humor that's like existential crisis and and like I have no idea where I fit in in life and you know, another one that, that just came to mind for me is like, I'm at that age where half of my friends are getting married and the other half are getting so drunk they lose their phones. Yeah. Like that's that's all becoming really common online, I think, because so many people can relate to it and it's getting passed around and shared so often. Yeah, no, I think people can, obviously I think that 
like the fact that it gets passed around and shared so often is people saying, oh man, this is you, and tagging their friend and saying, hey, this is relating <laughs> to our life. And it is, but I don't know. I do, I do stand on the side of like, I think sometimes memes like that can actually cheer people up because I think a lot of times we get in our own head about stuff and we think, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so this way. I'm so sad. I'm all bummed out. And we kind of like romanticize our trials. But when we see something, someone like make light of like, maybe you have depression, maybe your student loans, or maybe you lost your job, maybe your girlfriend cheated on you. If you see a meme kind of like bringing levity to it, it almost, yeah. it takes, it can take you out of it. So I, I do think there is that positive because you're not festering on it. You're like, man, when you really think about it, there's, it's a little funny, you know? Yeah, it's relatability. I think is what you're, is, is what I'm hearing you say is the best way to phrase it. Like, yeah, you're not instead alone. Instead of just being stuck in your head, like, oh, I'm so alone and all of this stuff is wrong with me and all of this, like, I'm, I have all these problems. And then you realize like, Oh yeah, wait a minute. I'm not the only guy with student loans. I'm not the only guy with, uh, you know, relationship problems or whatever, like for job problems. Yeah, it, it does definitely make it so that you can understand. Like it is sort of a support network at the same time. Yeah. Especially in the age of, you know, having all these crazy communities out there of like Redditors and whoever else, and you can find support from people online for practically anything as we're hearing in like, you know, the news media and everything now, but some of them are probably really healthy and helpful for a lot of people too. Yeah. How do you, how do you interpret those? Uh, how do you interpret those memes when you read them? Do you uh, think they're funny? I have, I have an album on my phone that I'm trying to uh, sort of pour through right now and, and make some space on my phone because it's so cool. But I like I don't want to delete them because you know I was showing them to Katie Woodruff the the other day, for instance, when we were just hanging out at her place. She was like, "You need to get back on the horse. You need to download the Tinder app or Bumble or whatever." Okay. And I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm I'm trying to download it, but I don't have space on my phone." So I started looking through these memes, trying to like get rid of stuff. And she was like, "Just delete them. They're so silly." They're funny, but they're out on the internet for free. You can go and find them whenever you want. Right. But my view, my view, what I tell her is like, yeah, but this is like, I've spent hours on the internet. And these are, this is like my personally curated collection of, of humor and jokes and stuff that I relate to or stuff that makes me laugh. Like, it, it has that sort of personal attachment to me. Okay. So, yeah, I think, I think some of them are hilarious. Or some of them are just really bad dad jokes, and I want to kind of copy that material sometimes. Yeah, you just want to sometimes look at stuff that makes you laugh and has made you laugh before. Right. Or, you know, I'll see it and I'll think of my friends that really also love dad jokes, like uh, my buddy Jack, and I'll be like, yeah, he's going to love this. Or a guy, there's a guy that I work with that we used to work in the same department, and uh, we have really different shifts in different departments now. And we basically don't really say much to each other via our phone conversations. Yes. But we'll send each other like three or four memes a day usually. And we always just like have one to fire back at the other person. So I think that's how that, fo that folder started for me, was just trying to build up some stuff to send to him over time. Okay, so it sounds like you think these memes are good then. You're not necessarily saying that these are making people complacent in their unhappiness or is that, was that your original point? Um, yeah, I don't think that it's bad. I don't think that, you know, there is a lot of bad stuff out on the internet if you're in a bad mental space, mm -hmm. but no, I think it kind of, it, it helps people to accept like, yeah, you know what, this is, this is life, life goes on, whatever. And you can find all kinds of really inspirational stuff out there to counter it if you're looking. Yes. But uh, no, I think it's more, maybe the point that I was trying for at the start was just to say that it is a really commonplace thing among, yes. and it seems like to me, at least, maybe this is just a narcissistic view because I'm a 30 something, I'm, a, I'm 31 years old. It seems to me that it's a generational thing that people our age are freaking out over their 
career future, their relationships or lack of, and their, you know, financial situations and stuff like that. Yes. So that was, that was kind of like my point was that that's a really good uh, example of perspective, like how much you find people talking about it on the internet and how commonplace it is that it's just sort of accepted and discussed without any real conclusion, probably for a lot of people. They're just like, yep, that's my life. And now we're back to Monday and here we go again. I'm going to repeat the same cycle for this week. Yes. And hopefully, hopefully not everybody is like that. Hopefully everybody, there are people that are, if they really do have issues with what's going on in their lives, then they're able to overcome them. And like, you know, I'm kind of going through that myself right now, but it's causing me this introspection, this self-reflection to be like, Oh, that's right. I haven't been single in three years. So now I'm back out and like, I'm 30 now I'm over 30. And now I understand and relate much more to all these things that I've been seeing online for the past few years. You're, you're not, you're not alone, man. You're going to be experiencing (laughs) things that you think are depressing, um, especially in the dating world. And then it is such a dude. I think one of the greatest, like things you can do is like commiserate, especially like, like in the dating world, everything's such like, I don't know. It's never like, there's always so much heartbreak and like, you know, disappointing people that when you can hang out with people and just talk about it and you see the humor in it, it's a lot of fun. Just like talking about atrocious experiences you've had, especially dating. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody has had bad dating experiences. Even if you've never had good dating experiences, there's a guarantee that you've had bad dating experiences. And it's just a fact of like, you have to, you have to not hold that in. You have to be like, Oh yeah, dude, I screwed this up so badly. And just be able to laugh at yourself about it. That's how you grow from it and make sure that you don't make the same mistake twice. Dude. Yes. That's what it is. Like I've had bad dating experiences that when I got in my car after I was like, this is embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. I don't want anyone there too. Yeah. But then, then you tell someone you're like, dude, I'm just going to tell people you own it. And you're like, this was me at that time. I did this. And it's funny, man. People love it. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. How has, uh, how has being single been, how long, how long were you dating your ex-girlfriend? Uh, this may would have been three years. Okay. And we lived together for almost two of those years. Okay. So, so what's, what's it, that's like pretty intense. What is it like now? Are you back on the horse? Did you take Katie Woodruff's advice and download the app and delete your memes or what's, uh, <laughs> what's new? Man, when you put it that way, it sounds like it's this major paradigm shift in my personal life, right? Like, listen, man, the time has come. You got to set the memes aside. You got to get this dating app back on your phone, dude. It's a choice. You're at a fork in the road in life right now. Well, it sounds like you are. Yeah. You it's, only have so much memory. Think about like that. Do what? You only have so much memory on your phone. It's true. It's true. You've only got time. You got to choose one. Memes are... Memes are biddies. I guess that's what it's got to be. So what'd you do? Uh, no, I still have the memes on my phone. <laughs> really? You have? But, uh, okay. I'm paring them down. I am paring them down and I'm looking for a way to like upload all of them to the website imager or something like that. Okay. I haven't really figured out how to do it yet. So anyway. Do you have Tinder on your uh, phone? I do, honestly, but I've, I've like, not, I've just been indifferent to it. Like, I really think that an important part of breaking up with somebody and being single again for the first time in a long time is getting comfortable being by yourself again and getting back in touch with who you are. Because no matter how good of a relationship you were in, it ended for a reason. 
and it probably didn't end well, and it probably had a negative impact on you in some way or form, whether you realize it or not at first. And I, I really feel like something I've learned in my 20s in relationships is that if you can't make yourself happy, then there's no way that you can feasibly make someone else happy on top of that. Yeah. So no. I'm really trying to get back in touch with myself, treat myself well, spend time with my dog. And, you know, it's, it's been like, and I'm trying to really focus more on stuff at work now and really put myself into it because I was definitely detached from it for a little while, especially when I was working third shift. And so all of these things are opening up for me now. And I've got such a good opportunity to sort of start fresh for myself. It's springtime, like the weather is warming up. And, you know, I'm not, basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm not in a hurry to try to get back on the horse. I'm going to kind of let it happen organically. And in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy all of the good stuff that's going on around me and not try to rush back into something that would probably be unhealthy in the end of it. You know what I mean? No, I do. I 100% understand what you're talking about. And I think, I think, I mean, that's important. I think how many times do you see people break up with someone or do, you know, they end a relationship and then they're looking to fill that whatever validation hole, whatever need is missing because they don't, the thought of being alone, being by themselves and their own thoughts is horrifying. They feel like they don't exist if they're not in a, you know what I mean? There's not a person there. And codependency. Yeah, just codependency. They need someone to need them and they need someone. Right. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to judge other people that aren't me, but I do think, I think what you're doing is super healthy. You know, I, I imagine it's, it's hard, but I, I don't know. I, you like, you're a good guy. You're a fun person to be around. You, you like hanging out with oh, yourself. Thanks, yeah, no, I mean, you just, I'm, I'm sure it won't take you long to realize like giving people your energy is really like a big decision. Like I, I mean, I'm alone most of my day. Uh, I work alone. I'm by myself. I don't, and I, cause I've realized even like, I don't talk to Uber drivers. I don't really talk to strangers because I, I don't want to give someone. What? You said you don't talk to strangers. I said your mom would be proud. Yeah, I'm sure she would be. She not even for the reason that they're dangerous, but for the reason that like, I don't owe people my energy, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm not an asshole. I'm just like, look, I live alone. I'm by myself most of the time. Uh, I then a lot of times like I'm, I have a hard time being in relationships cause I can't, I can't give that much of myself. I can't, you know, I need my time. I, I don't have enough to mm-hmm. give. Yeah, I understand. I, I completely agree. There, I mean, I feel like a lot of my friends and my ex and my family would all say that I'm a really social person, but I definitely have limits and I definitely have days where I'm just like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to put myself in that situation. I don't want to be, you know, out in a crowd. I, I want to do something better. Like I want to do something for me individually. I want to play bass or I want to go to the gym or something like that. So, so yeah, I understand completely what you're saying. And when I was, uh, when my ex and I were living together, that was the first time that I had lived with somebody that I was in a relationship with. And that is such a dramatic change in the way that your lifestyle goes. It's, I mean, it sounds really easy and obvious to say dating your roommate is completely different from just having a platonic roommate, but it's so different. I mean, especially, you know, we have a dog that we share now too. So we just had to coordinate and communicate so much throughout the day on what time people were going to be where and everything else. And it really changes everything about your life. It was a really incredible thing. And then it just suddenly stops one day and goes back to just being me by myself. It's, it's really incredible. It's been a crazy change, but, uh, my, my new roommate actually just finished moving in 
even spent the first night here last night. So I'm really grateful that it's uh, not going to be me here by myself in the apartment anymore. And also that he turned out to be such a cool guy that I've known for a while now. Um, and the timing worked out perfectly for both of us that he was able to move in on sort of a short notice. That's cool. Do you, do you consider it, um, is it kind of a relief now to be not living? And I don't know what your relationship was like. I'm sure it was different, um, you know, during the two years at different points in time, but is it, uh, is it a relief in a way to be like, um, I'm by myself now. And that whole, like you were talking about, you're always coordinating, always like, what are we doing? What are we doing together? Oh, I'll see you at the house. Um, you have a lot more time, I assume, right? Yeah. Is that a relief? It makes me more appreciative of the time that I've got, I think, is what it is. Okay. So now you have all this free time and now you're, uh, you're grateful that you can do what you want. I don't have to check in with somebody or worry about organizing or orchestrating or planning things nearly as much. It's, it's more like, okay, I want to see my friends tonight. I want to do dinner by myself tonight. I want to do dinner with my friends tonight. I want to, you know, whatever it may be. It's like, okay, so that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I do. And it wasn't like that. And I don't think that it was because it was a bad relationship. I think that that is just something that comes with having a close relationship with the person that you live with. Even if you're not dating, I guess it could even be that way. But yeah. that was, uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm thinking in memes all of a sudden because I just remembered another one that's really pertinent. And I, you're making me kind of self-conscious about like the amount of memes that are floating around in my head. Maybe I really do need to delete that folder, Joey. No, don't. You're, <laughs> but, you're not alone. But, uh, but no, the, there was one that I read that uh, said something like uh, being married is having a nightly uh, back and forth argument about what you're going to do for dinner until one of you dies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, that's such a, you know, like humorous perspective on it, but it's, it's true in a way too. It's, and it's not just like, what are we going to eat for dinner tonight? It's like, uh, what are we going to do this weekend? What time do you do this? What time are you working? You know, and all of this, just so much stuff goes into it. And it was my first, I don't, I can't remember if I just said this or not, but it was my first time living with the girl that I was dating. And that was at the time I thought such an important decision for me to make. Yeah. And I still don't regret it because it was up to that point, And even now still, I thought if I'm going to marry somebody, I need to know what it's like to live with them before we make that decision to make it permanent and get the law involved. Cause that's a really big deal. So I still think that down the road, when I find somebody that I could potentially marry, I'm still going to make that decision. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good, I think ultimately longevity for a relationship is you need to find someone where it's easy, where you're compatible and it's not a lot of work. So I think you get someone and they live, you need to like, I, I don't know, I think it's a good idea. Move into your apartment and you're like, whoa, lots of you, this much of you makes it, shines a light onto the fact that like, we are not compatible. We, I can't do this the rest of my life. Sure. You want to find somebody that's going to make things easier. Like you said, it's going to bring out the good qualities in you and you bring out the good qualities in them and it doesn't take a whole lot of effort on either one person's part. Yeah, I think that's what it like really comes down to. Um, it just, it should be simple. Uh, and depending on the, dude, I don't know. Cause I've like met people that wanted, like I dated someone, they wanted this like, text me all the time, like incessant, like constant, like, back and forth and I just I was like there's no no one I okay this is what I told the person dude being totally candid I was like nobody's if you find a man that's gonna give you this attentiveness this like level of attentiveness that you're asking for 
He is going to be a broken man. He's going to be a man that's been hurt by a lot of women and is very desperate to keep your uh, like keep your attention and keep your interest. Like you need to find a man who is like broken and like severely emotionally damaged cuz like most people don't have time to make you the center of the universe. Yeah. That's not how a healthy relationship works. You know, I don't even want to, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't like being, I don't know. It just seems like I'm shitting on other people that aren't me, but I agree. (laughs) I think it's so unhealthy when people, like, I can't, I don't know. And it's hard to find people that just can live their own lives and not demand too much from you, you know? Like, I don't want this, like, crazy romance of, like, being obsessed with someone i just want someone that is familiar and i want to have sex with that's that's it someone that i'd like thank you it can all be so easy right yes yeah i i have a good friend that got married a few years back and they had some really amazing it was it was a non-religious wedding it was really secular and they also just had some really amazing vows and even the the person that uh, performed the ceremony was her brother. He was ordained. So they uh, they wrote their own vows, and he wrote his own lines to give at the ceremony. And it was all really about being together but separate. Yes. Anything but codependent. It was like, you know, you will support each other in your individual lives and careers and aspects and goals and aspirations. And you will also be together in the sense that you can support each other and you can love each other and you can count on each other. And I thought that was just such an ideal version of a relationship. I'm not the kind of guy that will marry somebody that thinks I'm the center of their world. And I definitely can't do that for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's... I don't know. That's what's going to work for me, you know, is just someone like, think about your family. Like I haven't called my brother in like, probably I haven't talked to my brother in probably a month. Like, and, but would I do anything for him? Like, absolutely. Of course I would. But you know, and obviously I'm extending, but to the point that like, I really love my brother, but I'll go as far as like not even speaking to him on the phone for an entire month. And that doesn't mean that I don't, love him it just means that he's a person with a life and doesn't we don't need to be in constant communication absolutely yeah and that's that's a really good point to not just family but just really good friends too yeah I've, since i've become single again i've been reaching out to a lot of people that i've been out of contact with that live out of city or out of state and the good friends I've been talking to on like a, an every few days basis all of a sudden where we may not have talked before my breakup for months. And it's all of a sudden, like we get back in, co- in contact with each other and it's like no time has passed at all. And to me, that's really, that's really special. You know, that's a great sign of a really true friendship or just a really great relationship that you have with somebody. Yeah, I do. I think it's, it's like, it's uh it's unconditional love. It's like it's not like oh I'm going to stop loving you when we stop interacting and you stop um giving me a certain amount of attention then it's over. It's yeah. you know, it's just like hey, I'm here. I'm here. I love you and I I'm always going to be here for you regardless of anything. Um you know, but it's it's that sense of like oh hey, yeah, we haven't really talked in a long time. Hey, I still love you cuz it's the, our love wasn't about the fact that we were always seeing each other and always interacting. That really had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. It's dude. It's tough, man. Just to like bro out for a second. It's, there's a lot that it's even when you meet someone and they are independent. And I imagine this is, true i don't know women should weigh in on this too but i'm a heterosexual man and i find a lot in my experiences that like 
people become dependent quick. Like women like want, like, I don't know. Like you, you give them some, and even like a woman that's seemingly very independent and has her own stuff going on, it quickly becomes like expectations on me that I, I can't keep, I can't do, you know? So it's, it kind of sucks because mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I like you. I think you're cool. And like, I'm not even, I'm, I like you when I want to keep this going, but I can't, I have 24 hours in a day and I work and, and I'm in a car going to work for 10 of those hours. I don't like, I can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely understand and agree. Um, I think what was so attractive about my ex when we first started dating in the first place was that she seemed like such a strong, successful, driven, independent woman. And things were really great for a while. I mean, it's, it's easy to say or think like, oh, you know, it was a bad relationship. But no, obviously it wasn't for the entire three years or else who in their right mind would stay in a bad relationship. Yes. Like it, it degraded over time. And I think that it really did change a lot when we moved in together. That wasn't when it turned bad necessarily, but it did change our perspective on our dependency on each other. And I think that did have a, a, a definite impact on how things ended when they finally did was that we sort of wanted to depend on each other and needed to in certain ways. But at the same time, we weren't really communicating our wants and needs effectively enough. We weren't even really thinking them out for ourselves in the first place, I don't think. So my biggest takeaway from the whole thing as of now has kind of been the same now as it was when it first ended. I think that it's got to be about communication with yourself and with the other person. And if, as long as you can communicate whenever there's an issue that comes up or whenever something is good in the first place, I think that's probably the most important thing that I'm going to look for in good relationships moving forward. And it's that same line of communication that we're talking about with people that we don't talk with for months. And all of a sudden we're like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And you know, you can just be completely off the cuff with that person and they can be that way with you. And you're still completely comfortable to talk about anything with that person. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a really special thing to find, man. It really is. Yeah, it's, I don't know. And we make it sound so easy, but I think with, um, no, it's awfully hard. Yeah. Well, I think it's easier with like a friendship. You know what I mean? Like we, I mean, we haven't talked in a while. We, you get on the phone together and it's normal. It's like, Hey, you know, we know our relationship, nothing weird. But I think when you get in like a romantic situation, there's just, it's, you want like, I'll be open and honest with you, because, like, quite honestly, like, I don't care if you think I'm a cool guy, you know? I'm, I'm Do you think way... it's a matter of expectations? Yeah, I like, a girl, like, like, I want her to think I'm cool. I want her to think that I'm a person that she'd want to be with. But is that who I mm-hmm. am? Not necessarily. So, you don't, I don't know, you're, like you said, you're just not, it's hard to be communicating honestly all the time because it's painful, you know, but I think you're right. I think it's it healthy is. to be like, Hey, that little thing you did made me feel like shit. Um, mm-hmm. rather than just fester on it, I'm going to voice it and say, and we'll talk about it. But that's a, you know, again, that's like a half hour conversation and yeah, a lot of times you just don't want to do it. But that's, it, it, we've, we've talked, me and her, my ex, we've talked things out multiple times since breaking up, of course, because both of us are like, yeah, we, we want to learn from this. We never want this to happen again for either of us. So where did we go wrong? How could it have been different? And yeah, those expectations, I think, are really a big part of it, along with communication. If... um. Like for instance, I'll just, I, I, the easiest thing to do would just be to use my relationship with her as an example without getting too specific. But she was probably in that exact boat that you were just describing where you're like, uh, am I, 
am I meeting that other person's expectations? Like, am I cool enough for them? Am I round enough for them? Like, am I doing the right things? Like, do they still like me and they're just not saying anything? And just making up these crazy expectations of the relationship. Whereas if it was a friendship, you don't really care that much about those sorts of expectations. There are no expectations. It all happens naturally and organically. And the communication thing would help to resolve those false expectations. If, if somebody, whenever they're uh, insecure about something or unhappy about something, would just say it and voice it and be like, hey, so how are things right now? Or, you know, are we seeing enough of each other? Like, how do we fix this? What are the problems? What are the solutions? Let's work on it together. Because yeah, those are hard conversations to have with your friend or your girlfriend or whoever, but it's a hell of a lot easier to have difficult conversations and solve a problem than it is to let everything build up and even eventually break up. That is much, much harder. Yeah, no, yeah, it's the, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult bringing up those things. And a lot of times that's what the problem comes down to is like, it's, and I, I might, okay, for instance, my brother, like uh, in his apartment building, there's a couple that lives above him and apparently they're just incessantly fighting, right? Um, and yeah. I've heard it and, and really you can tell what it is. It's just like, oh, this is like, years and years of like these are like petty arguments they're having but it's from years of just like people not communicating and there is just millions upon millions of issues under the surface that none this couple has not addressed you know Mm -hmm. and it's a shame you you hate to see that but at least they're, they're able to fight it out as opposed to talking about that's not a good thing, but as opposed to just completely disregarding each other or giving up on the relationship or, you know, going and sleeping with somebody else or something like that's still a more healthy alternative that at least they still care about it enough to want to fight about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed by your maturity to be able to, um, you know, get with your ex and then say what happened here let's do a post-mortem and figure out why you (laughs) did what you did and why i'm feeling the way i'm feeling and figure it out rather than write it off and say uh my ex is a piece of shit and that's why we broke up because she's evil and awful because it's you know like you said you were with her for three years man like what does that say about you if you were to say that right yeah and yeah, that's that's the thing. It was three years. Like, I want to gain something from it. I want to gain some sort of perspective. Even if the relationship failed, I don't want to think of it as a waste of my those three years of my life. Yeah. We obviously had an attraction to each other for some reason at some point. And to be honest, you know, I'll give her credit on on the decision too. She's smart enough and mature enough and wants to grow from it enough to cooperate. It's, it wouldn't work if it was just my idea and she was like, just going to be petty or uh, standoffish or immature about it. Like we're finally able to open up to each other because we don't have any expectations. There it is right there. We just hit it on the head, Joey. Yes. The, we know the relationship is over. We it's never going to happen again. So we're able to talk honestly with each other and be honest with ourselves about what went right and what went wrong. So that's a really great opportunity to have a learning experience. Why wouldn't we want to do that for as long as it's appropriate at least? Yeah. It sucks that it took that to have a completely honest conversation though. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I've made that point to her before and we, we both know that's the case, but it's better late than never, I guess. At least we learned from it, like I said. That's it, man. That's really, I hope, I really hope people make it to the end of this podcast and hear what you just said. Just be, say it. Say what's on your mind. It's funny, I don't know, because I mean, I've been in that situation before where you're like, 
But I mean, when I, even when I was telling that person I was dating, like, hey, I'm not the guy for you, and I think the guy for you is severely emotionally damaged. And I wouldn't say that if I still wanted this person to be my girlfriend, right? Sure. Yeah. But I think and they appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a relevant point. Like I said, I don't want to get too specific on stuff because I, I don't want to be tasteless or like right, absolutely. not be classy about. But um, when we were together, me and my ex, we she told me a few times about how bad her past relationships were and how she had a bad time of taking guys that would treat her well. She was in abusive relationships. She was in uh, relationships where she felt scared to end it, but thought that she wanted to and couldn't figure out how. So, you know, the fact that things broke down the way they did for us and the fact that they ended the way that they did, I think is at least in small part due to the fact that she doesn't have a whole library of stable, healthy, loving relationships to look back on and to draw experience from when things get tough. So when things were bad between us, I mean, she panicked and she probably didn't really know how to, how to approach it in a healthy and loving codependent way, as opposed to, you know, distancing herself or trying to figure out or, you know, ignoring the problem and making it worse or whatever. So I don't, it's not that I'm completely like pitiless or unempathetic to the fact that she was so unhappy in the relationship because I was too, but I didn't know why, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, it was because we just kept drawing further and further apart from each other and distancing ourselves from each other. So like I said, I, I really think that for me, for instance, having a few different relationships that I was in that obviously didn't last, but there were still a lot of good qualities. And I took those qualities from that relationship and put them in my memory bank of, okay, when I have a relationship in the future, if it's going to last, this is something that's very important to me. This is something, this is a quality or this is an approach or something that is really important to me and that I think I want to replicate in future healthy relationships. Yep. Yeah. No, it sounds like you have learned the lesson, you know, and have dealt with it maturely. Uh, and I don't know. I always look at things as like, write it down, write down the lesson, write down the thing not to do again, and then try to forget the painful parts, you know? Yeah, I was, I was definitely going through, Katie kind of called it the grieving process. Yeah. She was like, somebody didn't die, but your relationship died. For sure. So Same. you're, you're grieving. Like you're going to see all these emotions coming up. And I did for a while, but for, you know, at least a few weeks at first, but, uh, i it's healthy to feel those things. But then I think that just my personality in the first place, I don't like to hold on to those negative emotions. It's not going to help me. There's no point in me being really mad about it or really holding a grudge against her or anything unreasonable like that. Like I would rather just drop those feelings in the first place once I've experienced them to, to a healthy level. And then from there, it's a matter of trying to be more logical about it and be more logical with myself. Like, okay, what's next? How do I improve myself from here? What do I want to do? How, what's going to make me happy? How do I approach things with her from here? And what, you know, what's going to be beneficial for both of us? How can I gain something from this? How can she gain something from this? What are we going to do about the dog that we share? You know, just, just trying to move forward from it and not be stuck in a place where I'm just feeling really lonely or hurt or just unnecessarily angry at her or anything like that. You know, those, those emotions have their place, but the, it's no point in being petty and 
holding on to them and, and just being vindictive or holding a grudge or anything like that. Yeah, dude, it's like that Buddhist, I think it's a Buddha quote, but it's like holding a grudge or like holding animosity is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. Yeah, that's one of my. I've been thinking so much about that lately. I love that quote. What's the point? You know, like it's not helping you. It's not hurting them. And even if it did hurt them, would it really help you? Absolutely not. I, I read something recently that said uh, whenever somebody has experiences like a traumatic event or something that's an emotional, a negatively emotional thing for them, any time that they replay those memories or think about them. And this is especially for true, true for people with like PTSD from, you know, war or from, you know, an accident or uh, sexual assault or something. Whenever they would replay those memories and feel those emotions, it would actually, their brain would release the same chemicals as when the event happened to them in the first place. Yeah. So just, just getting in a cycle like that sounds so incredibly unhealthy. I was like, I need to move past it. I need to just get over it and move on, take the positives and just forgive those, those bad emotions away as quickly as possible. Yeah. So that's what I've been trying to do. Well, good for you, man. You sound like you're doing great. So, uh, drop your, Drop your, okay, so I'm doing this lately on the end of the podcast, and it can be something from the podcast that you just want to, like, synopsize on, but, like, what is the final thought or closing thought for you of, like, I'm Josh Adams, and, like, this is, I want everyone to know this, because I didn't know this. Sure. Okay. I think it's, I think we can tie it the start with like adult anxiety and and stuff together with the relationship with my ex pretty, pretty neatly by just saying that. All right. So I'll I'll give it to the same format you're talking about. So I'm Josh Adams. What I've learned from, um, combination of depression and anxiety in the past six months and crazy changes at my job, working third shift, having my girlfriend cheat on me, going through a nasty relationship, breakup, having her move out and all of this other stuff is that the key to avoiding being really unhappy with yourself or being really unhappy with the person that you're dating is communication and understanding each other's expectations. Would you say that's pretty fair, Dewey? That's pretty good, man. I like that a lot. I feel like that helps to get whatever's on your mind out. And it also helps to make sure that everybody's on the same page that's involved in a relationship. Well, cool. Man. It would have definitely avoided a lot of conflict for me and my ex. It would, and it's helping me a lot at work now too, man. I can't believe how much we just really hit this on the head, man. I feel like we just really summarized a lot of stuff that I've been going through and how I'm getting past it. Cause even at work, when I switched from third shift and got on second shift, um, my shift lead is an awesome guy, but we, and, and he's worked there even longer than I have. We've always known each other, but we've always had sort of a weird relationship where it just seemed a little awkward. And we're finally getting to the point now where we can communicate really well with each other and I kind of think that it was it's tied into the expectations we had of each other and for each other of how things how who we were and like how we would communicate and how we would talk and stuff before we ever just gave it a chance to happen on its own. Yeah, it's it's incredible how like all of this is fitting so neatly into this nutshell of communication and expectations. This is this is a really good summary. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was, yeah, I don't even want to say anything on it because I think you got it perfect, so. Well, if I did, man, it's just because you're asking the right questions. You always seem to pull it out of me and make me sound like I'm a much smaller, smarter person than I actually can be. Yep, it was all me, man. (laughs) You ever thought about doing a podcast or something? 
Uh, nah. There's too many podcasts out there, dude. Yeah. Saturated. There's not much money in it either. Oh, let me tell you. No, actually, it's quite <laughs> lucrative, dude. <laughs> I make hand over fist with this thing. Uh, if you're good at something, you never do it for free, man. Yeah. Yep. Never work a day in your life. All right, man. So what number of podcasts are we on? You're... Let me look. I'm actually, I'm going to put this out like today, dude. Uh, Hot dog. All right. So you are episode 152, man. Wow. Yep. You're getting pretty prolific, dude. Good for you. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've diversified. I've changed the format. I've done different things. Uh, and, you know, it's part of growing, figuring out what you like doing, what you don't like doing. So... Uh, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. So, yeah, man. It shows that you got into it for the right reasons. Yes, pure at heart, man. Love the game. That's right. All right, dude. Well, I'll let you get back to your Saturday uh, and working on yourself and walking that dog, dude. Heck yeah, I've got a craft uh, connection brewery tour tonight too. So nice. That's been really cool. Just being able to. Uh, force myself to get out there and actually make money for it just to meet some people and talk to them and connect with them a little bit differently than I was when I was in a slump. It's giving me good perspectives. Nice dude. Do you, do you have anything you want to plug? I meant to ask you. Say again? Do you have anything you want to like promote or plug like a brewery tour or something? Oh, duh, sure. <laughs> yeah, go nuts. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm uh, learning to be a brewer at Rheingeist, and there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Rheingeist Brewery in Cincinnati. I've been there for a little over three and a half years now, and they've been a very, very awesome place to work. Um, back even when I was having some major health issues in November, they had no issue with uh, giving me all the time off that I needed. And uh, they're, they're just, I just can't say enough good places about the place, good things about the place as far as a place to work. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, my, uh, side thing on the weekends, craft connection brewery tours is pretty dope. We're trying to make our way. I think we're actually number one on TripAdvisor now in the city for, uh, brewery tours and for, uh, like party buses and stuff. Yeah, um, for sure. Go to, our, yeah, for sure. Go to Ryan guys, man. That like, if anyone's listening, that place is, that's the spot, dude. We just reopened our rooftop patio, so it is a very good time of year to be there. Just rated number one uh, bar patio in the city, actually. Dude, I never went up there. I need to. You missed out. I know. I'll never go back. back. I know. Yeah, I'll I'll come back. I'll go to Rheingeist. I'll have a beer on top of the roof and see the city, and then get the fuck out of Cincinnati. (laughs) Maybe get a tour while you're there from your your guy Josh. Okay, I will. I promise. Right on. All right, dude. Well, uh, I'll send this to you as soon as it's done, right? All right. Sounds awesome, man. It's been good talking to you, Joey. Yeah, you too. I hope everything's going well for you out there. Yeah. Perfect, man. All right. Enjoy your Saturday, dude. Say goodbye. All right. Uh, Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Later. Later.